It's the Super Bowl 52 edition of the Horse and Around podcast, direct to you from the Mall of America food court in Bloomington, Minnesota. This used to be the site of a stadium a long time ago. Metropolitan Stadium, home of the Minnesota Twins and the Minnesota Vikings, was on this spot. Now it is the single largest mall in the United States of America. This week, home to Radio Row, where we on Orange and Blue 760 did our shows. Before we wrap up the week, we've got a podcast for you. I'm Andrew Mason. Alongside me here in the food court, in the shadow of Chick-fil-A and Panda <laughs> Express, Thai Express, Naf Naf Grill, and Shake Shack and other delights, <laughs> Ryan Edwards... Good to have you, man. We've eaten well this week. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, we just, uh, I tried my very first Juicy Lucy moments ago. And uh, I'm glad we had a chance to walk it off a little bit, to be honest. I, I needed that, that jaunt back over here to the food court. Uh, that, that thing hits you like a lead balloon. But boy, it, is, it has been a lot of fun. We are at the tail end of our three week excursion between the Shrine Game, the Senior Bowl, and now the Super Bowl. It's been a blast, man. Been an absolute blast. It's been a blast, and. You talked about the three-week excursion, Shrine Game, Senior Bowl, Super Bowl. We've talked to a lot of people in the course of those three weeks. And the landscape for the Broncos as they head into the offseason, it looks a bit different now than it did when this whole thing started. They've coached in the Senior Bowl. The quarterback landscape has changed with the reports that the Chiefs will be trading Alex Smith to Washington, a trade that will be officially consummated at the start of the new league year in March. Kirk Cousins has said he wants to test the market. The Broncos coach Baker Mayfield of Oklahoma and Josh Allen of Wyoming last week at the Senior Bowl. Dude. Wow. <laughs> oh, what, a crazy. Ro- what a roller coaster. And <laughs> as you used to, the line from draft day, all, it's a different world than we lived in a week ago when we were doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. We were sitting down at the Renaissance in Mobile, Alabama, the Renaissance Hotel side of Radio Row there, and we're talking about the quarterbacks. We're talking about draft picks, and here we are now at the Super Bowl. Alex Smith is no longer in the AFC West. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins is guaranteed to be a free agent now. Things have changed considerably, or have they really? Because would the Broncos still consider going with one of those rookies that they coached up in the Senior Bowl? There, there are so many different layers to this, and, and boy, it is so much fun to talk about. So much fun to talk about, and of course, the fact that free agency comes before the draft, that certainly helps define things. So free agency kind of becomes the first possibility. And look, they're going to add a quarterback in March. I think that's without question. The question then becomes, which kind of quarterback? Is it the bridge quarterback that allows you to say hey we've got a starter going into week one and then you're not locked into picking a quarterback in the draft even though you probably would pick a quarterback high or is it Kirk Cousins and I Mm. think now that Alex Smith is out of the equation if you're talking about a franchise type quarterback that you're handing the keys to for the long term the one possibility is Kirk Cousins now Multiple teams are going to be in play for him. Yes. And based on what we've heard from Kirk Cousins talking to some national media outlets late this week, he's intrigued by testing the market. So you're going to be in a bidding war. 
for Kirk Cousins. And where does that bidding war go? It's a 30, 32, 34 million yeah. a year? It's a pivotal moment for the Broncos. You look at what's going on in the AFC West right now. You look at the, the direction the Chiefs are going. They're going to turn things over to Patrick Mahomes. The Raiders still have Derek Carr. They got a new head coach in John Gruden. You look at the Chargers expecting them to stay kind of where they're at in contention, maybe a little bit better than 500. The Broncos are at a pivotal moment for this team because the decision at quarterback, among several decisions, but the decision at quarterback, if they decide to go free agency, they swing for the fences, they get Kirk Cousins, you pointed it out on Orange and Blue 760 on our show first in 10 at 10, that cap money, that cap hit is significant. It, it affects the way that you can structure your team. Meanwhile, if you go the opposite way and you hand to a rookie, got to be willing to take those lumps. That rookie's got to play because you're going to use that money to build around that young player. It's a pivotal moment for the, the Broncos. I can't say they have to get it right, but, boy, if they do get it right, you could set yourself up for the next several years in this division. Yeah, it's as crucial a moment as the Broncos have faced since winning Super Bowl 50. I Agreed. think the next couple of months are going to define whether this team can get back on track for the next several years or not. And, hey, it's a quarterback-driven league. That's just the reality of it. That's what the Broncos are facing right now. We talked to a lot of people this week. We're going to start with Von Miller, who we talked with on Wednesday morning here on Radio Row, and he had some very <laughs> candid comments regarding the possibility of bringing in Kirk Cousins. Give that a listen. Von Miller sitting down with us. Von, how you doing, man? I'm the doing, man. I'm doing pretty good, man. I, I saw you guys. I had to holler at my guy Steve over here. Yeah, you show some love, man. Walk, good to see you, baby. Hey. Hey, it's good to see good you. To it's you. good to see you. How's the offseason so far treating oh, it's, you? It's been good. It's been good, man. Uh, you know, the uh, quarterback uh, the quarterback uh, carousel has uh, started with a whole, Boy. Uh, a whole month in advance. <laughs> yes. You know, and um, I can just imagine, you know, uh, Elway uh, calling over Andy. And Andy said, Oh no, we're gonna keep Alex. We're gonna keep Alex for another year, man. You know, we're just gonna we're just gonna play it out and see how it goes. Hang up. Washington, are you interested? You're right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, they wouldn't let us get a guy like that. But um, you know, John Elway and the guys we have in the front office are are doing everything they can to get us a quarterback or fix the quarterback situation and, and get everything back going. Now, with obviously the impact of the, that trade means Kirk Cousins is going to be out there going against Kirk Cousins in in December. Mm -hmm. What were your thoughts on him? What kind of quarterback is he is to go head-to-head -head against? My thoughts was don't don't hurt him. Don't don't <laughs> you know, don't take him to the ground too hard because, you know, this is a potentially a quarterback that we could get. No, I mean, playing against him, he has everything you want. And I think everybody knows that. All the, all the teams know that. That's why everybody's around him. He's a great leader. Um, great leader. Um, when it comes to the quarterback position, he does everything extremely well. And he's, and he's also getting better. And um, two, you need a guy like that on a team like we have. You have another leader on offense that could get uh, you know, the offensive line going, the receivers going, just to have that influence on those guys that are tying well with what we're doing on defense. So it would be great to get Kirk Cousins. You know, um, John Elway and the guys are already on the job. You know, it's something that, you know, I don't have to, you know, stay on the team about. Whatever, whatever the best decision for us to do and whatever situation that we can get done, we'll be able to do it. So, Bond, all right, with – Alex Smith off the market. Kirk Cousins, mm -hmm. you know, will come at a high price. Who, what are some other guys that you feel the locker room would get behind if the Broncos, uh, you know, made a deal to, to bring oh, them in? Let's go get Jarvis Landry. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's get Jarvis I'm talking Landry. about at the quarterback position. That's my guy, Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Hey, 
Hey, hey, Kareem. They, I, I had, I had, I, had t- I lied to him. I lied to my NFL network, man. I didn't, I didn't send my, I didn't send my, I didn't send my money to the NFL. It was just good for TV. <laughs> now, um, some other guys. I mean, uh, what's up, big dog? I mean, Jarvis Landry. I mean, that's just you know, you know, dreaming right now. We have great, we have great receivers, but you know, um, I think. Um, you know, one or two spots in the offensive line. I think this draft, we really have to, you know, hit on these draft picks. And the draft picks that we already have, I got to do a better job in getting those rookies second-year guys going. If we can do that, the team would be totally different. Yeah. Is I'm that- also, I'm also, uh, I'm shooting a show for Facebook. Um, been wrestling alligator. Alleg- yeah, we saw that. And, uh, you know, playing zookeeper for a day and, uh, you know, getting my CDL and all type of stuff. It's a fun show. It's about me and. Uh, you getting your CDL. Yeah, just that was part of the that was part of the that was part of the skits. But yeah, just uh, working with my brothers, doing odd jobs, and once you combine those two jobs, it's, it's hilarious at the same time. So it'll be prepared, it'll be premiering tonight at uh, eight p.m. So uh, everybody, uh, check it out. Yeah, so we'll it's on it Facebook, out, right? Yes, sir. Facebook. All right, very good. Like, last thing for you: you believe that you f- believe that this team is one or two pieces away, yeah. including the quarterback. That's one or two pieces away, and plus I gotta I gotta get more than ten sacks. You know. I got to get more than 10 sacks. Shane has to get more than one sack. Um, Shaq has to get more than five sacks. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a 20 sack guy. That's what the city is. Uh, that's what the city uh, believes me to be, and that's what I believe in myself to be. And if, if I could get going, you know, I could help the offense out, you know, a lot, a lot better. I, don't th- I think I only had two forced fumbles. I'm a six forced fumble, six plus forced fumble guy a year. I didn't get that done. So um, before we start pointing fingers at the quarterback position and the offensive and the offense this and the offense that. You know, me personally, I have to do a better job. If I can do a better job, then everything else would be a whole lot smoother. And before you go, you're here with Microsoft, the Create Change program mm-hmm. for kids. Tell us all about that, what you've got going on with them. Uh, I started Vons Vision and, um, back in uh, 2012, and we partnered up with uh, Microsoft Create a Change program. Um, created a cool helmet just to, you know, promote what we're doing. And fans can also do the same thing. They can go to the Microsoft store, create a helmet mm-hmm. for a chance to, to win a trip to Super Bowl 53. I mean, wow. he's not disguising how he feels. Uh, you know, you, you hear him there as he, along with Brandon Marshall, C.J. Anderson was on Orange and Blue 760, and, and we'll even uh, hear from Virgil Green and his thoughts coming up in just a little bit. But, you know, if you're these players, the politicking, I, I, I really expect nothing less. I think to be as forward as they have been is a little bit interesting, and, and also it makes a lot of sense because, look, if you're – you're the Broncos, and we'll get to this quote from Baker Mayfield in just a moment, but if you're the Broncos, you do feel like you're a quarterback away, the right quarterback away from turning things around very quickly. And we've talked to Steve Atwater all the time, and he's like, got to go with a vet, got to go with a vet. You know, need to trust. Virgil Green said, I'd rather have a vet. You know, mm-hmm. that that is a mindset. But if you get it right, if you get it right, you have this defense, you can see why it's such an important thing that they get this out there, this, this storyline. The veteran is the security blanket, the known commodity. You know, Von Miller talked about going against Kirk Cousins on Christmas Eve. They've gone against him. They've watched him in the NFL. They've watched him on TV. They've seen what he's capable of. And, of course, the NFL, a very insular, very small world. Guys know what he can do. They talk friends, talk to friends around the league. They know what kind of guy Kirk Cousins is. They know what kind of quarterback Kirk Cousins is immediately he would come with a comfort zone and you know you wouldn't be kind you wouldn't be going through a rough patch of development you know he would step in ready to go and when you hear that from von miller he's going into year eight virgil green who we'll have on later like you mentioned 
He's going into year eight if he comes back. He's going to be a, a free agent, of course, coming up in March. Those guys, they're not getting younger. They're getting to around their 30th birthday or so. They want to win now. Now, Baker Mayfield, we also had on Orange and Blue 760 this weekend. The Broncos coached him last week. Certainly all indications are it went well for both the Broncos and Baker Mayfield working with him. Baker, as we know, does not lack for confidence. Now, we know Kirk Cousins is a very confident guy. We know all about, hey, you like like that. that. And, hey, I love that swagger, that attitude that he's always had, that even though it didn't seem like he was getting the love from the Washington organization that I feel he deserved, that he always had that resolute belief in himself. Baker Mayfield clearly has that resolute belief in himself that for some team in the NFL, he can be the man. He had praise for the Broncos coaches, and certainly he believes that for a team, he can be that guy and be that guy right away. As he said to Brandon Cristal and Matt McChesney on Friday on Orange and Blue 760, Here's the clip. They're very close, very, very close to being uh, uh, in this game right now. Right. Um, I mean, 5-11, and 11, uh, just all they need is one game changer, somebody to, to lead those guys, to, to give a spark. And so um, I think I can be that guy for any team, but I think going to Denver would be an ideal spot for me. Great defense, uh, great tradition, like you said, and then uh, they're, they're very close on offense. I mean, how do you not get goosebumps listening to that? Yeah. I mean, if you're Broncos country, you've been looking for that. That I mean, in one soundbite, you're hearing the, the what your quarterback could sound like and the kind of leadership. It's electric. It's electric for the fan base and, more specifically, electric for a locker room and for a team. And, and if there's a buy-in from the team, I mean, there's special things. The belief that your guy, your quarterback, can win you games, knowing that, hey, the defense didn't have their best game. But you know what? We still got Baker. Or we still got Kirk. And Kirk is capable of that, too. Mm-hmm. But that soundbite, I mean, and you and I are unapologetic Baker fans. Correct. So, you know, understand, understanding <laughs> that we're going to, of course, geek out a little bit on that. But just listening to the way he said, hey, look, the Broncos are very close to being right here. In my mind, they just need one guy. They need one playmaaker that's, that, that can lead this team and, and be a spark. I and love that belief. And he's right. And he's yeah. right. I love that belief. Yeah. I really do. And especially after last year was so frustrating, so rough. We watched it up close. But that sort of confidence, and yes, that sort of swagger, that's the kind of thing you need. And you want a locker room that has lead, the leadership of guys who feel that I'm going to be the one that fixes this. I'm going to be the one that turns it around. Does it matter if it's a veteran or a rookie if it gets you there? It doesn't matter. And and I'm glad you keep bringing it up, though, because the cap hit is the specific point about this. Now, the the one, and so in that, it's what you can do if you have to move on from certain players on this, the defense, on this team, that impact. But you bring it up multiple times on Orange and Blue 760. If we can think Baker Mayfield by year two or year three could be a top ten quarterback at the cap hit that he would be relative what you're paying Kirk Cousins, I mean, under that assumption, and it is, it's a bit, you know, it's, it's a, a bit of an assumption, it's a risk, but if that's the case, it, it's a no-brainer 
the only thing is, is John Elway willing to take that year, the first year, and understand, you know, at high end, we're hoping maybe an average quarterback with his quarterback rating, at, and maybe he's better. Who, I mean, who knows? It might look like Philadelphia with Carson Wentz in 2016. Example. But it could be Jared Goff. Remember the final seven games, he lost all of them. Yes. Could be that. And there were scheme problems. And <laughs> there probably was a lot some of coaching problems, problems there, too. <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> but that's the thing. So you got to know that that's what's going to possibly happen. And, yeah, of course, you'll have a vet here. You'll have a hedge. We expect that. But you've got to be willing to make that commitment if you go that route as an organization. That's the $64,000 question. Maybe more accurately, the $64 million question. Because that would be the range of the guaranteed money <laughs> that Kirk Cousins would draw. Starting point, because the yes. reports of Alex Smith getting potentially $71 million guaranteed. Holy smokes. When I saw that, my eyes bugged out a I little bit. I mean, it's bit. a quarterback league, but my goodness. Alex Smith at 34? Yeah, 34. Yeah, 34. You're right. So what's Kirk Cousins' guarantee going to be? 80. Or more. Oh. Wow. And, so the, and in that case, see, like, so under that, under that perspective, I can see people being resistant to that. I can see why you'd be resilient and say, I don't know if it's worth getting in the mix of the bidding war that's going to happen with him, knowing that there are teams that have not unlimited, but they have unbelievable cap space. The Browns, the Jets, they can throw whatever number he wants at them. And if you're specifically the Jets, and we had Jason Locke and Fora on our station a couple of days ago, and he thought the Jets are just the number one overall no question team I, I'm starting to feel like that is a that's a an interesting point and, and I'm kind of agreeing with him I'd say if I was handicapping it today the Jets are the number one because they do have some guys there they do have the I think they have the right coach too the question would become if you know Todd Bowles is developing a quarterback I don't know I mean that that doesn't strike me as a developing kind of quarterback guy you know what's the rest of the 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 coaching staff look like and I and I don't remember their OC off the top of my head but that that for me is is more the interesting perspective here yeah and they're going to make some change their changes on their offensive staff yes heading into 2018 I'm actually looking them up right now here yeah uh Jeremy Bates that's oh, right yeah, yeah he got promoted quarterback yeah. coach former Broncos yes. assistant yes of course now going to the Jets yeah that was great podcasting there as we <laughs> took a pause while I looked up who their new offensive coordinator was was going to be he's the Jets sixth offensive coordinator in the last eight years but at the same time you figure there's some stability there Todd Bowles did get the extension based off the work he did in terms of keeping the Jets out of the cellar. I think a lot of us thought the Jets were going to go 2-14 and 14 or worse this past year, and they were surprisingly competitive. So they're going to be in the mix. Cleveland, we know Joe Thomas has yes. been very vocal. Got 35 million reasons he should come to Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> but then again, you've got the cap room, but it's not always the cash as well that's there because there's the cash budget and there's the cap room, and, of course, every dollar that's guaranteed you have to put into escrow. Yes. So, but... The other thing to consider, is it going to be all about the money for Kirk Cousins or is it going to involve the best situation? Something tells me he's not simply going to sign the deal that gives him the most cash, We're on the both same potential page. or guaranteed. He doesn't seem like the kind of person 
that simply is going to say, I want the biggest deal. Some, I want the best situation. That's what Kirk Cousins seems like to me. I'm, no, we're 100% on that. And then, and then that becomes more of the debate topic on what are those things besides money. And he had a very telling quote, I thought, and, and Nikki Jabala pointed this out. It was on Sirius XM NFL. But he had a telling quote saying, I haven't had a chance to choose my team since I went to Michigan State. And now I have a chance through free agency to see what's out there, see what teams are willing to put around me. And then remember, following the season, he talked about what's necessary to win in this league. You need a running game. You need a good defense. If you're a team trying to woo Kirk Cousins, that's a big part of it. You're going to have to prove to him that you're willing to make commitments there. The Broncos have a good defense. That's something that they do have. But so does Jacksonville if they wanted to get into the fray. And why wouldn't they? They really do look like they're a quarterback away from being a favorite in the AFC next to the Patriots. So there are, there are plenty of teams that could get in there. It just depends on the dollar amount will be a, a factor, no question. But it depends on what Kurt's looking for. And that that's really where I think the Broncos could have a potential to shine in that perspective. Minnesota has the most interesting situation to me. Oh, I About know. $54 million, according to OverTheCap.com, of cap space going to 2018. Now they could franchise Case Keenum. That would be a simple move on but their part. if you're part. Minnesota, I mean... But you've got Keenum. You have Teddy Bridgewater with an expiring yeah. contract. Sam Bradford with I, the state of his knees. And you know what you could do? You could franchise tag Case Keenum and still go after Kirk Cousins. And if you get Kirk Cousins, you move on from Case Keenum. They, remember Josh Norman? You can remember do that. Carolina. You can take it back, and then you free that money up. Now, when you give the guy the franchise tag, it counts against your cap even if it's unsigned. Now, the thing that could mess that up would be if Case Keenum signed the tender. Right. And he might sign right away. Yeah, he might say, okay, fine. Yep, done. <laughs> I'll, I'll make $21 million or whatever it is for the quarterback this That'd year. That'd be a heck of a poker game to play. <laughs> You're like, because the thing is, is what that you could start franchise tagging like mid February. Mm-hmm. You can start the franchise tag process then. So what I would do if I again, you know, the, the, this is all. Who knows if this is gonna happen? But I would wait till the very end of that process. Then I franchise tag Case Keenum, and then I wouldn't return his call for a few days <laughs> as I try to go get Kirk Cousins. But anyways, that's just. Who knows if that's going to happen? What if he sends the form back to you? The, oh, co- the, the fact. What if he faxes it back to you? Says, "Okay, signed, sealed, delivered. Here you go." Man, I, I'm just. Or he saying, walks back in. It's signed and notarized. If you're friend, <laughs> but if you're the Vikings, boy, I mean that would be. And, and if you're Kirk Cousins, you know teams that are right there, that are right there. Mm-hmm. I, I really feel like. Case is going back to Minnesota. I mean, we're, we're here in Minnesota. I, I, I feel like that is the inevitable conclusion to this story. I do, too. After the miracle at Minneapolis, it just feels like there was too much momentum this year, and he did too much for the team coming in in a backup role. It, it feels like that he's off the table. That's why I think we focus so much on Kirk Cousins, because he is legitimately the only guy out there that you would say, that's a starter. Everybody else, there's question marks. Everyone else is, you're drafting a guy. That's right. You're drafting a guy early. And that quarterback that you'd bring in is probably a bridge. I think you get beyond Cousins and you get beyond Keenum, and that's what you're talking about. 
Bridge guys that maybe they surprise you, but you're still looking to this very deep draft class. And speaking of that draft class, we had one of NFL Network's draft experts, Daniel Jeremiah, joining us this week. His mock draft came out right around the time of the Senior Bowl. And of course, as he admits, it's a little bit blown out of the water now because he did have Baker Mayfield going to Washington, which has now traded for Alex Smith. But we talk about Mayfield, Josh Allen, other quarterback prospects, Quentin Nelson. Liked his comments about Quentin Nelson out of Notre Dame, who he has mocked <laughs> to the Denver Broncos. Give that a listen. All right, we're going to be joined by Daniel Jeremiah, who uh, works with the NFL Network at Move the Sticks. What's up, Daniel? How are you, man? What's, what's going on, guys? How's it going, hey, man? I'm it's doing C-Rod. great, man. I tell you what. Appreciate he, the time, man. I remember watching him growing up, and he's, he's always even they're always even bigger, man. Oh, big man. Hey, I don't <laughs> see dudes like that I'm walking to, around anymore. Weight, man. No, no, good big. Good <laughs> big. Good big. We were, we were uh, just talking about last night we went to the Legends Lounge, and, and even players there, uh, John Randall came and he's like, hey, man, don't hit anybody while you're here. He's, uh, like, he's one of the best, man. On, man. It's just, just so fun to watch you, man. It's a pleasure to meet you. Hey, John Randall, oh, thank you. My pleasure. No. My, the pleasure is ours, but thanks for coming. All right, well, let's here. let's Good talk. Deal, uh, we'll talk about quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, uh, you, you have, we have Kirk Cousins sitting right behind us, but let's talk about the draft quarterbacks. Just out of the Senior Bowl this last week, uh, what were some of your impressions of the top two names there? With Allen and Mayfield. Yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating. You couldn't be any more opposite in every way with those two kids. But, you know, Mayfield, I thought, had a better week of practice. Mayfield, to me, I love about him is just as you write in the scouting report, it just the word quick would just come up repeatedly. Quick feet, quick release, works quickly through his progressions. Um, he's got a little snap on the ball, too. He's not not Allen. Allen's got a just a ridiculous yeah. arm. He is so big and physical. He can still move. I thought it took him a little bit of an adjustment period early in the week. That's to be expected. You're coming from Wyoming. You haven't played in a month. Uh, it took him a little while to knock the rust off, and then you get in the game. The second half of the game, you got to see what Josh Allen can be when everything's clicking. He's not there yet, but, man, if you can get him to that spot consistently, he's, he's a unique talent. Now, you had Mayfield going to Washington yeah. in your first mock. Yeah, I don't think that's happening yeah, anymore. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> How would that change now? Shelf life was not very long on that yeah. mock draft. Yeah, yeah no, look, it's going to be – I think we're in a situation now where if you look at the big four quarterbacks in this draft, the two kids from L.A., Mayfield and Allen, that with Cousins going to land with one of these quarterback needy teams, that takes them out of the mix. Uh, now I think you're in a situation where you could see one of these guys, maybe even two of them, kind of drift down a little bit. And last year we saw it, we were on the set on draft night, and it was our heads were spinning off because here come the Texans all the way up to get Deshaun Watson. You know, and then we, oh, wow, here comes the Kansas City Chiefs to go get Mahomes. I think we see that same thing happen again this year if some of these guys start to drift. And I keep an eye on teams like Baltimore, who I don't think that, I think Flacco, I think that's about to come to an end. And you look at the Chargers trying to find the next guy for when, when uh, Phillips done. And then even the Saints. If somebody starts to drift, they might say, hey, we can go get our next guy for when Drew's done. So I, we could be in line for another crazy draft. So, Daniel, what, what's your take on the uh, Alex Smith trade to yeah. the Redskins? Well, look, I spent time in the Eagles organization, and I think that was a good week for the Eagles because I don't think they've upgraded at Washington. They got older at the position. They traded an asset, one of the best nickel corners in the league, in Kendall Fuller. So I didn't, I didn't really – I, look, they should have paid Kirk Cousins a long time ago. That was a mistake that they made, and they haven't really recovered from it. I just thought at that point in time when you, you think you can't get Kirk done, okay, it's a rebuild. you got to go get a young quarterback. You look inside that division with Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott, 
they're going to be in their in their prime for a long period of time coming up here. And now you're going to be you're going to be aging at quarterback with a 34 year old three years from now. You're going to be back in the quarterback market again. Yeah. So I I think if you're Philadelphia or the Cowboys, you think you're in a two team division right now because you know the Giants looks like they could talk themselves into thinking Eli Manning's got a lot more left and they could pass on one of these quarterbacks. So. I don't know. I just think you build your team to win your division, and I didn't. I didn't get that one. I mean, that's the great debate here for us locally when it comes coming back to the Broncos for a second. Should they go well in on Kirk Cousins? Should they draft one of these quarterbacks that are coming out in this class? They have the fifth overall pick. What would you do? Well, I just think I would want one more crack at it with this defense. Okay. And now people can say the window is closing or closed. That's up to interpretation. I think there's still a lot of good pieces there on the defensive side of the ball. And it's not like Kirk is 34. He's 29 years old. So you can have a sustained run with him. I just think, man, it, I know how hard it is to, to win. And obviously, you guys know how hard it is to win. Steve, you know how hard it is to win. But to have that opportunity with that with those star right. defensive players, it would be Absolutely. a waste to waste those those last precious few years with that group in their prime while you're trying to develop the young quarterback. I, Cousins would be my first choice. And on your mock draft, you actually have the Broncos not taking quarterback. Yep. You have them going with Quentin Nelson yeah. at number five. So, A, I would suspect you think they have a good chance at Cousins. B, there hasn't been a guard taken in the top ten <laughs> in five years, yeah. but Nelson to me looks like the best guard prospect in many a year. He's a ba- he's a bad dude. Yeah. He is a bad dude. And a lot of times when you're rolling through all the tape on all these guys, when you get to offensive linemen, like it's at night and uh, you know you're like trying to doze off and stay awake, like trying to it's like watching paint dry. <laughs> this dude was like, oh, my son's four. I'm like my 14 year old son. Hey, get in here! You gotta see this one. He's right. like, who are we watching, Dad? I'm like, this guard. He's like a guard. Oh, this is the darndest thing I've ever seen. He is a violent, violent football player. I remember uh, when I was in Baltimore, we'd always look up reports on other players. You always want to look up great reports or great players as a young scout to see, okay, how do they describe these guys? What are you looking for? And when Alan Fanica was coming out of LSU, his scouting report, I opened it up. It said, butt kicker. That was the whole report. <laughs> that was it. That was it. That was it. That's all I was like, that's what this kid is. That's what this guy is. Yeah. Uh, so now I want to talk a little bit about the running backs. Yeah. Um, now, in my opinion, uh, Saquon Barkley is number one running yep. back coming out this year. Who, who's, who's behind him? Uh, who, who, how would you rank the other guys? Well, actually, I saw him floating around here in Ronald Jones. Have you guys visited with him yet we from USC? Him, he is explosive. He's, he's got a little bit of that Chris Johnson, a little bit of that Jamal Charles to him. Um, he's got some big-time juice. But uh, Darius Geis from LSU is a stud. He's big time. I love Sony Michelle. I have Sony, a first-round grade on Sony Michelle. Wow. So, I don't know, you know probably going to see him go in the second round mm-hmm. chubbs a power back a big sturdy square square back i mean there is a ton of them rashad penning we saw in this mm-hmm. in the senior bowl from yeah, san diego nice. state yeah. he can catch the ball to the backfield and do a lot of different things so it is a deep deep group of running backs but i'm with you i think barkley's the best player in the draft period yeah yeah wow. the broncos are going to probably be in a position to draft a running back i mean depending on what they do with cj anderson and his contract but if, if there are targeting in that second round yeah. quarterback, they're going to be at number 40 overall, so they actually have a really good shot at any one of those guys. Yeah, on Johnson I would throw in that mix as well from mm. Auburn, who's yes. a really, really good player. I mean, there's backs year. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So th- there's going to be options. I'm anxious to see if it's going to end up pushing all these guys down. I think Barkley's going to go up there because everybody knows how special he is, but that next group you might be saying, hey, I love Ronald Jones. But if I got to take Ronald Jones at 12, I might just wait until 45 and I get carry on Johnson. Right. Who, you know, he's a good player in his own right. So that's going to be fascinating to watch. Is running back the deepest position in the draft, or do you see, see the depth elsewhere? I think it's right there. You know, quarterback is one of the deepest group of quarterbacks yeah. that we've had in a long time, too. But I would say running back offensively is definitely the deepest. Defensively, 
I've been rolling through a bunch of these underclassmen corners the last couple weeks, and it's a really good group there as well. Last year we had a ton of them. Not as deep as last year, but still a really good group of corners. Yeah, what, what, what did you think about uh, the cornerback uh, out of North Carolina? I, I liked him. Um, oh, I know you're talking MJ, about now. The, MJ yeah. Stewart. MJ, MJ Stewart, Stewart. Yeah. yeah. No, he's a good player, and he's going to be a value pick in this draft. I think you can play him outside. You can play him inside at nickel. I think you can play some free safety. So he's got some versatility he could bring. But in this draft, you're probably talking about him as like a fourth-round guy. Okay, I mean, wow. that just speaks yeah. to the, the depth that we have. I mean, when – you go through these junior corners. The Denzel Ward from uh, from Ohio State mm-hmm. reminds me of when Pac-Man was coming out of West Virginia. He's going to be 5'10", but just it, it, he might run 4'28". Like, he's crazy. Wow. Top 10 pick. Yep. He's a top 10 dude. Uh, Jerry Alexander from Louisville is really, really good. I mean, the list goes on. There's a ton of them. So uh, we're talking with Jan- Daniel Jeremiah with NFL Network at Move the Sticks on Twitter. Just a couple more questions for you. If the Broncos do acquire Kirk Cousins, they're able to get him in the free agency sweepstakes. What would be a good quarterback for them to get in the later rounds that you think? Because, again, we think that they, they're going to restock a little bit at that position. Who would you like them to, to see them target? Well, there's some interesting names out there. I mean, we saw a couple of them at the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. Kyle Laletta, to me, from Richmond, who ended up, gosh, he threw for over 200-and-something yards. Yeah, in the Three touchdowns. Yeah, the three t- he was awesome in the second yeah. half. So, to me, you've got some – um, you got some development still there as a kid from Richmond, and you've got time if you get a Kirk Cousins where you, maybe you take a flyer on somebody like that in the fifth or sixth round and you got somebody to develop. It would be ironic, though, with Kirk, if you sign Kirk and you draft a guy in, like, the fourth or fifth round, he might think he's getting Kirked <laughs> because that's exactly what he did. You know, RG3 with that's all the right. money and the high profile, and Kirk right. came in uh, you know, kind of under the radar and ended up getting that gig, so it would be kind of ironic. One of the most interesting guys last week at the Senior Bowl, Marcus Davenport. Yeah. What happened to his stock last week? Did it pretty much stay the same when all said? I was I was so perplexed by that because everybody was killing the kid during the first couple weeks of practice. And I'm like, hold up now. You realize this kid was a basketball player. He weighed 198 pounds coming out of high school. He'd only played defensive end one year in high school. He's a defensive player of the year at UTSA. But still, from UTSA to the Senior Bowl talent, it's an adjustment period. It's a different speed. You've got to give those guys time to get adjusted to that. And then and then everybody's killing him day one and day two. Day three, he has two sacks in the team period, two more pressures. And I'm like, yeah, he, it just took him a minute. And then he, he was back to dominating. They get in the game. He's got a sack. He's got a scoop and score. He's making all kinds of plays. I'm like, man, you got to give these guys a second to adjust. Daniel Jeremiah, at Move the Sticks on Twitter, the Move the Sticks podcast. Check that out. Of course, from NFL Network, you see him all the time. Dude, it, it's been fun watching your career on the rise. I remember talking to you a few years ago, and uh, Andrew was like, hey, you should get this guy Daniel Jeremiah a chance. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right, I'll check <laughs> yeah. him out. And now, I mean, look at you, man. You're, you're blowing up. So it's great to see that. Thank no. you so much for the yeah. time, man. Hey, Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. We can all get paid to watch football. It ain't bad. That's right, man. <laughs> awesome. You know, uh, there, the Quentin Nelson earlier in the interview I thought you were going to high-five him. I, I really thought in the middle of the interview you might just, like, reach up and high-five him because I know you've been – and, look, I, I watched Quentin Nelson. I was the same way. I didn't call my kids up to the room to watch it with me, but he jumps off the film. I mean, my goodness. I mean, as soon as you watch it, he's a mauler. He is the best offensive lineman in the draft. I understand, but your point, a guard being taken at five, I just I, – I have a hard time wrapping my head around it. That's all. I know. But he might be the best player in this draft. I think I would actually say he's the closest thing to a sure thing in this draft class. Some may argue Saquon Barkley. I'm going to argue for Quentin Nelson. Ah, uh, you know it, it, I think it, he might be a Pro Bowl guard right out of the box. Uh, hey, legitimately. Hey, it, I mean he was special, and you know what? 
What if you can somehow sneak in and get McGlinchey later on in the draft? I mean, talk about solidifying your left side of your offensive line. So you're saying try to trade down a few picks, try to find a way to get two first-rounders? Yes. And get Nelson and McGlinchey. This is on the assumption, of course, that you have Kirk Cousins. But, I mean, yeah. talk about, like, immediately making your starting offensive line, which is something that they have to do, too. Build the Great Wall of Denver. I mean, talking about those two guys, Leary, Paradis, and Garrett Bowles to the right side. You're done. It's it's done. Then you're not getting Will Hernandez. Well, but you already weren't going to get him if you get Quentin Nelson anyways. That's true. So, But I love Hernandez and Nelson. I yes. guess the point being, I'd love to end up with one of those two guards one way or the other. Get one I of mean, those guys. You know, you, you see what happens when you have an elite offensive line. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense for the Broncos on multiple fronts. And you're also selling to your quarterback the commitment to protecting them and giving them time. Virgil Green, who we'll hear from in a little bit, talked about that, about always seeing Trevor Simeon getting beat up mm-hmm. and, say, and taking ownership on himself. We didn't do a good job blocking this year. And... So, yeah, that, that's part of it. You know, obviously, position players, offensive weapons, I mean, those are all part of it. But having an offensive line starting from the trenches helps the running game, helps the quarterback, helps everybody. Yeah, and look, with all the talk of quarterback, I think it, the dais cast, it's evident that the quarterback position, the guys in that room, it's going to look much different than it did last year. And certainly it was rough for Trevor Simeon what he went through. But... As we go to Virgil Green's interview real quickly here, I loved what Virgil said about what Trevor was going through and the way he talks about the sort of pain and the sort of bruises that, that Trevor was coming in with on a weekly basis. You can see why Trevor had so much respect within that locker room, why he was a team captain. Yeah, it didn't quite work out the last couple of years as the Broncos would have hoped, as Trevor Simeon would have hoped, but certainly you can't question his character and his resilience and his willingness to play through a great deal of pain. Let's listen to Virgil Green talk about that and much more as he sat down with myself, Ryan Edwards, and Steve Atwater. How you been, man? How's how's your offseason treating you? It's been good, you know, uh... Just trying to relax as much as I can uh, before I start training heavy here. Uh, you know, this year was a tough year for me physically. Uh, I, I kind of got beat up a lot, and uh, I had to fight my way each and every week to play. So um, I'm definitely excited to just relax, um, <laughs> less stressful. There's a lot of stress during the season. So it's, it's good to just sit, relax, enjoy my family, um, and enjoy people. You're hitting free agency, obviously, here in a, about a month and a half or so. What are you expecting out of that? What are you hoping? Do you want to be back with the Broncos for 2018? I would love to be back with the Broncos. Uh, you know, I've been telling my wife for a while now, like, I love the atmosphere. I love the city. I love the fans. I love the stadium. Um, but, obviously, it is a business, and I have been in Denver for a while. Um, I feel like I can contribute a lot more. You know, over the years, we've had the same conversations over and over again. Can I contribute in the past game? Yes, I can. But uh, if you're not given opportunities, it's tough to make that happen. And I do know and understand my gift is kind of my curse. I'm really good at pass blocking. I'm really good at run blocking. So it's tough for them to say, oh, let's put Verge out on the route. We need, no, we need Verge to protect and block a little bit. So, I understand that 
they know what I'm very good at. But I would like to get a chance to get out there, catch some touchdowns, catch 40, 50 balls in a season, see what happens after that. So, Virgil, uh, what's your take on the quarterback situation? Um, I do think having a guy like Peyton around for so long and seeing what needs to come from the quarterback position, um, it's just the guys we had at the time were just a little too young. And, I mean, even Peyton didn't have a great start to his career. So it just takes time. Um, the guys we had, I believe in. You know, Brock, I believe in Brock. I believe in Trevor. He's a true competitor. And it was tough because offensively we did put our quarterbacks in a tough situation. They were getting hit every time you look back. Was, oh, shoot, what's going on? So, And to see the kind of toughness every week, Trevor coming to the training room like, what kind of bruise is that, brother? <laughs> but he's still uh, he's still playing. I'm like, man, I, if I had a bruise like that, bro, right? I don't know if I'd be out there. So, you know, we had guys play through a lot of games, a lot of things, try to play tough, and it was just a tough year for us. Uh, it just goes to show how tough it is to win in the National Football League, you know. And uh, somebody was telling me earlier, you're spoiled. Yeah, I kind of am spoiled. My first few years – in the NFL, even with Tim Tebow, we made it to the playoffs. And I, I kind of am spoiled. I, now it's to the point, especially when you win a ring, that's all you want. Right. And this year was tough for me. Um, I did get a little frustrated early on just because I've tasted glory. Right. You know right, what I mean? Right. I want that. And it's tough for me to watch. The, the, the reason I'm here at the Super Bowl is because I can't watch the Super Bowl at home. Mm -hmm. I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm a jealous person. I you don't. Need to be here. Yeah, I cannot watch the game at home in peace. Right. Because I'm I'm talking. I'm complaining. I'm, you know, I want what those guys are going to experience not just that day, but for the next few months, for the next few years. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just tough to to be at home and not be involved. Yeah. We're talking with Broncos tight end Virgil Green here live on Radio Row. Hey, man, a lot of your uh, teammates have been politicking for Kirk Cousins. It's been We had Von Miller on our program. We just played a cut from C.J. Anderson. Brandon Marshall recently mentioned it. Uh, what's your take on that? Uh, well, my take on that is Virgil Green may not be there, you know. Uh, so unless I'm there, I can't really – um, compliment on what it would be like. But I do know this. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback to me. Um, some of the plays he's made, I know guys that have played with him at Michigan State, they rave about him. Um, so I think it could be a good situation. He's had a lot of games under his belt, so he's experienced. Um, so it could be a good situation. But unless Virgil Greed is there, Virgil Greed don't care. <laughs> yeah, so Virgil, um, I'm not sure if you have a – feel for what most of the guys in the locker room feel but uh for for you just say you're back with the broncos and uh would you prefer to have a veteran quarterback or would you prefer to have a young guy coming in just say a baker mayfield or a josh allen or one of the top young quarterbacks come in i like a, a veteran okay i like a guy who when the ball snapped bam right there i'm, I'm going there not because He's wide open, but because before the play, the angle says that he cannot, the guy can't make the play, Right. you know. And that's what, with, when we had Peyton, I would look at the defense. I'm running a diagonal route. 
but I know I'm getting the ball because of the way the defense is structured. So I turn ready. I turn knowing when I catch the ball, I got room to work. Right. You know, and uh, having a guy like him that's so confident in what he's doing, it's a game changer. Yeah. We're chatting here with uh, Broncos tight end Virgil Green. Just a couple more questions for you. Uh, so you said you're not going to watch the Super Bowl? Is that my understanding? I will be at the Super Bowl yeah, this year. He's going to watch it, but he don't want to watch from home. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't watch it from my couch because I, uh, I want to be there. I want to be there. I want to feel the energy. The energy of the Super Bowl is one of some of the, the greatest uh, moments that I've had in my life. And I just like to be surrounded by the atmosphere. This is a great atmosphere. Like I said, what these guys who are going to win are going to experience over the next few months. Now, I don't know if if Tom is getting sick of it by now, but uh, I know I wouldn't. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. I know I wouldn't get sick of it. So what they're going to experience over the next few months and over a lifetime is a great feeling. You know, seeing some of the guys who I've won Super, the, a Super Bowl with in Denver here and just clinging our rings together, like, it's just a, a, a great experience. Man, you want to pop one of them diamonds out of there, oh, man. No, look, if a diamond <laughs> pop out of here, it will be replaced immediately. Well, what I was wondering is because the Patriots have become a rival for the Broncos. Absolutely. Do you find yourself, in this case, rooting against the Patriots in this game? You know, I, I never just go for the Patriots, <laughs> but it's tough to go against them when Tom Brady's at, at quarterback. I mean, I was telling somebody earlier, some of the things he does, it's not like they're ahead, oh, they're winning by 30 all the time. No, they've had to fight. I mean, last year in the Super Bowl, you know, you're watching the game like, yes. No, 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 wait, wait. Don't let him get the ball. You gave him the ball. So it's just, uh, and, and that's exciting. You know, uh, I think Tom Brady has a great legacy in what he's been able to do, not just win games and stay on top but being able to come back from games and the legacy he's built it's tough to not like a guy like that Mm -hmm. having won it once what's your level of respect for brady and belichick having done it five times like they have my level of respect for those guys is i mean first of all they should be first ballot they should be able to get on the ballot the moment they're done right right yeah, That's, yeah. i mean yeah <laughs> right. they should be on the ballot the mo- okay uh actually guys we already got the guys who we want to be yeah. so um what they've been able to do consistently and not have the same guys over the year like they haven't had the same guys in the locker room they have their core but other than that they okay you won't get the job done here we'll find somebody else that will and that just goes to show the level of excellence that they expect from anybody that comes in. They don't care if you're first round, seventh round. If you're good, you're going to play. So just the fact that they've been able to do what they are doing with the guys that they have is just remarkable. Virgil, now, you're a very soft-spoken guy. Now, before games, though, you turn into somebody else because I'm, I'm almost afraid to say something to you before the game. I man. do. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> how, do you tra- how do you transform like that, man? Well, I, I feel like my last name suits, suits me very well. You know, I, I call myself the Hulk. Uh, I'm a, I could be a real nice guy, but don't make me angry. <laughs> okay. And, you know, like you said, I am a soft-spoken guy. I'm a nice guy. Uh, but when I'm on that field, I can't be that way. Right. You know, you got these dudes. A lot bigger than me, you know, coming, going at me and trying to make my life, you know, difficult. But 
I don't accept that. You yeah, know, like, yeah. all right, if you want to go toe-to-toe, let's go, brother. You know, so. Yeah, I, I see you before the games, man. I'm like, hey, man, I want to say what's up. Yeah. Oh, man, he's looking kind of crazy yeah. right now, man. <laughs> you you got you to turn into that, you know, for, these, for the games. And I just love the excitement, the adrenaline that comes with it, knowing that somebody's going to be going at you head-to-head and you got to – Find a way. You know, my, my college coach always told me, you got to find a way to find a way. <laughs> At the time, I was like, hold what on, what mean? kind of riddle is that? <laughs> but you just got to find a way to make things happen. You got to find a way to win. I don't care if this guy's a first-round pick. Exactly. I don't care if he's a Hall of Famer. You got to go against him. Are yeah. you just going to let him throw you? No. You got to find a way to win, and that's, that's my mindset each and every day. Virgil's in an interesting position mm-hmm. right now in his career, and, and – with free agency, you talked about it. We talked about it after he left the interview that he could be a round three free agent, round two free agent that the Broncos would consider bringing back. I can't see him going in the first wave unless the right situation falls in his lap and, and somebody else saw us. The problem for Virgil right now is where the league's at with tight ends. If you're a blocking tight end, you're not a premium player. If you're a receiving tight end, you better be elite, and if that's the case, you're going to get big money. But look, Tyler Eifert's going to be out there. Jimmy Graham might be out there. Virgil Green's not going in the first wave. He's not going to be one of the premier names. It would have to be a team that saw enough out of him, and really his best year was, was two years ago, and they weren't even they were barely a winning team. Uh, even in 2015 when they won the championship, You know he wasn't a prominent part of the offense. We always thought maybe once Julius Thomas left, he could be that guy. But I thought you made the great point that if he becomes a day three wave or a third round wave of free agency, the Broncos could consider bringing him back. But again, is he a starter for this team next year? I'm not sure he is. And look, Jake Butt is the guy that you want to emerge. Fifth round pick, but really first or second round value, the way you're looking at him. You accepted that he perhaps wasn't going to play his rookie year, and he didn't. So you were sacrificing a year knowing that you had a potential high-round talent coming in. So he's worked his way back. You're expecting him to play. He, I would say, is the best route runner of any guy in that room already. The question is, what is he going to deliver as a blocker? But certainly... You're expecting and hoping that Jake Butt is your week one starter at tight end. Virgil Green, if you manage to bring him back, certainly he's depth. But at the same time, if you bring him back, is he competing for a spot with, say, Jeff Hireman, Austin Trailer, Matt Lacoste, those guys? It could be a wide-open competition. And I wouldn't shut the door on the Broncos bringing in another draftable guy. They saw some guys who look good. Down at the Senior Bowl, it was yes. a pretty deep group. You know, there was Troy Fumagalli out of Wisconsin. Durham Smythe had some moments. Him, him out of Notre Dame. Conklin out of Central Michigan. And a guy that you really liked and really came on strong, I thought, that week. Mike yes. Jasicki out of Penn State. Yeah, he, for me, is the most fluid route runner. And if you're looking for a receiving tight end, could immediately make an impact. You know, I, as far as a blocker goes, I, I can't say I've studied enough on him as a blocker. Most of what I've watched in him has is, is been about his route running because that's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. I'm, the Broncos, they have guys they could use as block. I think Austin, Austin Trailer is a good blocker. Austin is a good blocker. So you mm-hmm. have that. What you need is a mismatch guy, a guy on third down when you have third and four 
third and six that you, that you know you can get five to six yards when you need it. And we need you also need a slot receiver. But with a tight end and the way the league has gone, you can move those guys around. And you saw I, I saw elements of Jimmy Graham when I watched him running routes. They used him in ways that, like the, the Chiefs used Travis Kelsey, they used him in ways like that at Penn State. And so for me, as definitely one of the top five tight ends in this group, you might be able to get him in a third or fourth round. And I think he could be an impact guy this year. So if I told you the Broncos could get Mike Jasicki and Deshaun Hamilton, both Penn State guys. Oh, I wish I, I got to describe Ryan's reaction. Dude. He leaned back in his chair, and there was a dreamy, faraway look in his eyes. <laughs> look, you're, you're talking about two of the crispest. Their route running sets them apart from so many other players at the Senior Bowl. You saw it. Yes. And I and I had been on Deshaun Hamilton when we were heading to the Shrine game. Yes. I was telling you going into that, I was like, I gotta see this kid. And now he wasn't the most impressive wide receiver at the Shrine game. That was Darius Fountain. But he was good enough. And and then when he got his chance to go to the senior bowl, you saw a bit of his the way he separates. He he's a returner, so you'd get your punt returner right there. He's a slot receiver. That's an immediate impact kind of player right there. Deshaun and, Hamilton or Braxton Berrios, who do you like? Uh, well, I I probably take Deshaun. I think the upside's higher. Mm-hmm. Braxton Berrios was fun. We we look. He's one of those Wes Welker kind of guys, and not just because he's a white dude, but you know he's a Wes Welker kind of guy. His wiggle. I thought he did a great job, sort of selling out his body constantly. Mm-hmm. Deshaun didn't have to do that because his athleticism was so much better. He was already separated. He didn't need to sell out for anything. He'd just go get the ball. And he had a couple drops early in the practice, but boy, as as the practice week went on. It just seemed like Deshaun Hamilton was always in position to get the ball. I would be happy with either. I will say this. Deshaun Hamilton can go outside if need be. Agreed. I can't line up Braxton Berrios outside. Can't he do is it. strictly a slot. He's and a 5'9", punter. I think. Yeah. yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with that. No, no. And he, he, I think, will have a very good career in the NFL in a specific role. But there are more things that Deshaun Hamilton can do than Braxton Berrios. That's why I think... Deshaun will end up going higher than Berrios. If you could get Deshaun in the fourth round. Maybe the third round comp. Yes. Okay. I can dig that. I think he did enough over those two weeks to move up some people's draft boards. I think he's top 100 right now. That would be right there. He's the all-time leading receiver at Penn State. Yeah. I mean, that alone is going to get you a little bit of a look. And, and again, he, he just showed that ability with his route running where if you know where he's going to be, He's he, he's gonna he's gonna lose his guy, and you need you need those guys that as a slot receiver can lose their man within three yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, as soon as they break the line, they've got to find a way to lose their guy or be uh, be bodied position mm-hmm. to get the ball. And he did it over and over again. Let's face it, so much to unpack from the last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. We can't let this go without at least touching on the Hall of Fame announcement. On Saturday, that's coming up. John Lynch and Brian Dawkins are both finalists. We wish we were talking about Steve Atwater as a yeah. finalist. Unfortunately, he didn't make the cut of us of yet another stacked group. It's shameful that yeah. the selection committee didn't put him on that list of 15. But at least we would like to see 
Lynch and Dawkins make it through. That being said, there might be some vote splitting between the two safeties. Safeties continue to be criminally underrepresented in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Taking the temperature of things around here, Ryan, what do you think of their chances this weekend? What I don't want to see is they cancel each other out. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see the, the, the politicking and the, the, well, this guy's got to get in before this guy kind of thing. I, what worries me is if these guys don't start getting in soon, the next group and the next group start pushing these guys back even further. And we've Ed seen Reed, that with Steve. Ed, Ed Reed, Reed and Troy Palmolo are coming up soon. And they're locks. They're, they, are, they are absolute locks to be in the hall. And probably first ballot. Probably. I don't know. The safety's, the safety's weird. It's hard to predict because it, it's been, you know, we saw easily, but otherwise it's just so bizarre the way it's treated as, as if it, well, like we had on Mike Chappell from Indianapolis said, sometimes it's treated like a special teams position, which stuck with me because that sounds, I mean, it sounds insulting. It's not meant to be, I think, but it sounds like hard to classify as thing is what he's trying to explain is... You know, do you, what are you measuring on? You know, with Ed Reed, it's interceptions and pick sixes. With, uh, you know, are you measuring on tackles or big hits or Pro Bowls or championships? The problem is, is if you're measuring on a lot of those other things, Steve hits all of them. And it's fascinating because everybody we talk to says Steve's a Hall of Famer, yet he's not a finalist this year. And I, I don't understand. We've had interviews. We've talked to guys, voters. We've talked to players. What do you got to do? I'll say something. And this is just from walking around the Mall of America, which is teeming with football fans right now, walking around with Steve Atwater. There are some Broncos fans here, but most people aren't Broncos fans. Yes. But the recognition of him is greater than that of a fair amount of guys who are Hall of Famers. People recognizing him just in street clothes. He's and I think that counts for something. Steve Atwater is an iconic player and not just in Denver. Oh, no. No, 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 no. He, he gets recognized. And, and, and again, we, we work with him every single yeah. day. There, there's not a nicer human being that I've ever been around. And, and, and you can see it by the, the company he keeps with it. even the players that come up to him, the, the ones that will talk about him. I, I just don't know what it will take. I don't know what it will take. It, it almost will take something like you've been talking about. The big class. Uh, the, a big class. Class that, of 17. That seems unfortunate that it would take something like that, but it's just going to get so backlogged because I think Lynch and Dawkins are both going to get in. They both belong, and Steve belongs. And Steve belongs. We're not talking about anybody who doesn't belong. In fact, I would look at this entire group of 15 finalists and say, you know, to use a Seinfeld quote, you're all winners. <laughs> you're all you should winners. all be Hall of Famers. They should all be in, and I think several of them will get in and, and very soon. I'll say I think Lynch gets in this year. If I'm going to make a prediction, I think Lynch gets in year this year. There was a, a a big push last year to get him in with the Ring of Fame Ring of Fame ceremonies for the Broncos as well as for Tampa Bay. He's a GM now, so he's back in the league. But I, I think that he's he's has enough prominent role. Dawkins might wait wait another year, but he's also going to get in. You know, I mean, it would be special to see both of them in. I, I can't say, and you and I, you and I have talked about this a lot. I don't necessarily claim them 100% as Broncos, but I rem- I, I was there covering. I, I love when they were here. They still live in the area. They're, they're Denver people. So I, I hope 
for good things this weekend. I just don't want to see them cancel each other out. Yeah, I mean, they, they did spend time in Denver. Dawkins is in Philly now yeah. working for the Eagles, and, of course, Lynch went on to the yeah. 49ers. But they did stay in Denver. They did stay in Denver, After right. they retired, and certainly they meant a lot to the teams that they were on. And you remember that Dawkins would pop around from time to time, come around the Broncos facility after he retired. So did Lynch. Lynch, of course, was one of the preseason TV voices of the Broncos for a yep. while before he went into the personnel side of things. So really hope it's a good day for the Broncos and a great day for Brian Dawkins and John Lynch on Saturday. Speaking of Hall of Famers, one more guy we talked to this week, Rod Woodson, a Hall of Fame cornerback and safety. Of course, you know, they're the safeties other than Kenny Easley to play since 1981 that have gotten into the Hall of Fame also were corners, Rod Woodson yep. and Ronnie Lott. Yep. Rod Woodson also, back in 2014, was a coaching intern on the Broncos. So worked with Akib Tlaib, Chris Harris Jr., and most importantly and relevantly right now, I think Bradley Roby, who, of course, the Broncos are going to pick up the fifth-year option on him this year. And Bradley Roby has talked about what Rod Woodson meant to him back as a rookie. Woodson talks about Roby talks about the Hall of Fame, safeties, and a few other topics as he joined me, Ryan Edwards, and Steve Atwater on First and Ten at Ten this week. Give that a listen. Hall of Famer Rod Woodson. What's going on, man? Mr. How you Rod doing? Woodson. What's going on, guys? What's up, hey, man? Did, did Vaughn talk about his chickens? <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I saw a special. <laughs> and he, he raised his chickens, right? Yeah. 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 He, went to, he went to college I was, for it. That really threw me Poultry off. Science. Like when I was like, when I, I looked up and I started watching the one of the channels, and I'm like, this dude is really raising chickens. Wow, he's into it, man. Football player, big, tough, fast, go and get quarterbacks, and he raises chickens. And he named he's each one, his feet, man, chasing those chickens around. Named each one after players of the Broncos. Uh, he's <laughs> each each one has a name. Really? Yeah, he's that into it. He went to school for poultry science, and yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. You're, you know, you say awesome. a football player for poultry science, like. He's really into it. Uh, he's actually awesome. now got also a Facebook video. Did you watch any of that last no, night? I, I'm, I'm, he was. Uh, <laughs> he had to like help out at the Denver Zoo with his elephant, and and they had him putting his hand all the way. Up. Yeah. Oh really? Oh my. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not going to get any more graphic than that because this is a family show. But <laughs> just go to Facebook.com and uh, check it out for yourself. Wow. Uh, anyways, Rod, thanks so much for joining us, man. How, how have you been, man? I'm doing good. I cannot complain. Yeah, you know, had just finished up four years of coaching with the Raiders, and interesting uh, profession. I can yeah. say it that way. <laughs> it's an interesting profession, but uh, you know, I enjoyed being with the guys. Enjoy giving back to the guys. I enjoyed giving what was given to me as a player from my coaches, from my peers, back to those players. And uh, you know, it's not exactly what I thought it would be as a as an NFL coach, right. but. I enjoyed everything I had with the Raiders. Well, I remember back in 2014, you were with the Broncos during the summer uh-huh. in training camp, yeah. and Bradley Roby has still talks about what you meant to him as far as working with him every day after practice on some techniques and all. But what have you seen from Roby over the years that that you like about him going back to, to when you first coached him? Well, I, I like all those guys over there in Denver, yeah. uh, you know, uh, they're solid, fundamental guys. They're football guys. They love ball. And when you find guys like that who are also talented, that that really bodes as well for defense and for especially for a secondary. But when you talk about Tlaib and Roby, you know, and Chris, you know, Chris Harris, those guys all can play 
solid football. And one thing I think about Roby is that he's still learning, and he, he's learned even after I left from those guys because they have all had different skill sets. They all see the game differently. We all do. We all. Everybody has different lenses. Everybody has a different perspective of the game. Yeah. And I think taking a little bit from him, taking a little bit from Chris, taking a little bit from Tlaib, whoever else we might talk to, and putting that into his tool belt, that's how you become a really good player. So, Rod, you've been coaching for the last four years, uh, always been a great athlete and teacher of, of, of players. What, what, what's next on your horizon? Uh, you know what? Right now I'm just happy to be off. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, man, you do not have a vacation when you're coaching. Right. <laughs> like, this, I mean, it's, so it's kind of refreshing uh, not to have to get up at 5.30 in the morning and get down to work. Um, you know, more than likely, I think I'm going to get back into into the broadcasting world. Okay. You know, I did NFL Network for seven years before coaching. So get back into TV and radio. Uh, the life is a lot easier, uh, not as much stress. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't have to win any games and see if I'm going to stay here or not. <laughs> I just have to talk. Yeah, that's what we do, man. We, we make our picks, uh, our picks for all the games. And now, just imagine if everybody in the radio, in, 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 tele, in the industry of, of media industry, had to make picks. And if they didn't win, at the end of the year, they got fired. Yeah, oh, That's man. how stressful it is as a, as a coach. Every every year, every week, you got to win a game, and you got to think about, okay, now am I coming back next year? <laughs> Are they going to keep us around? That's too much stress. Yeah, I want to put that on Ryan, man. Yeah, come on now. <laughs> so that's too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, talk trash. So, did, so Ryan, Ryan, Ryan lost? Was he losing all the time? He's winning. Okay. Ryan was winning for oh, a so while. That's, that's I was winning. Hats, that's Steve caught us and passed us in the playoffs. Yeah. I'm, okay, so at, I'm six and zero. I'm six and zero in the playoffs. You feeling it, yeah. huh? <laughs> yeah, we yeah. we get to the Super Bowl week and we're both trailing by three, and he's like, "I'll let this one count for two. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to? I can't let y'all tie me up, man. No, I, I know. We're uh, of course chatting with Hall of Fame Rob Woodson. How's the game changed? Uh, you know, you were talking about coaching up DBs, talking about coaching up corner cornerbacks. From when you played to now, the speed of the game. I mean, we were just talking about it yesterday. I mean, you need three bona fide cornerbacks, stud cornerbacks in this league now because of how much of a passing league it's become. Yeah, the speed of the game hasn't changed, but this, you know, back in the day we used to play against a run and shoot. Well, everybody's a run and shoot. The NFL is now the run and shoot. Every The, the third down is every down in the National Football League. When people go to 21 personnel, mm-hmm. 12 personnel, that's a relief for defense. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, they stay in the three receivers, one tight end. They'll go to four receivers. They'll go to Oh five, what we call five receivers. Yeah. They'll go to oh four, we'll go four receivers and one tight end. They don't even have running backs in the game anymore sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference. And I think also the the way the game is called, I think, is a lot different because you can't touch them. The quarterbacks yeah. are overly protected in the pocket, out of the pocket. The receivers, the defenseless player, is protected. Um, no headshots. So you everything, all that is completely different than what it used to right. be. I think the biggest thing is you're right. You need three bona fide players in the back end. If you don't have a safety that can cover in the slot, Mm -hmm. then you need three corners because you're going to stay in your nickel package and your dime package all the time. Interesting. I mean, you talk about corners and safeties. You played both, and you're in the Hall of Fame. There are Ronnie Lott and other guy played both in the Hall of Fame, and there are a bunch of corners, comparatively few safeties. And obviously, we're trying to get Steve Atwater in <laughs> at some point. Why do you think safety goes unrecon- relatively unrecognized compared to cornerbacks historically? Well, safeties are more cappers, yeah. so they don't see them like 
the value for some reason or another as a corner where he can get his hand on the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, but the mindset of, first of all, when you talk about the Hall of Fame voting, I, I disagree with the whole process. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the criteria has to be different because I think what what's going on nowadays is that you're seeing guys maybe with some, some stats or if they're in TV, they get pubbed a little bit more. Yeah. And then the guys who, because I keep saying, if, if one of these safeties go in, then Steve Atwater, Carnell Lake, all those guys have to go in. Yeah. Because, but people don't talk about them because they're not on TV every day. Carnell Lake is a coach. He's on the radio. You don't see their faces every single day. So, you know, I remember when I played, you know, uh, against that. I played with him in the, in the Pro Bowl. Let me tell you a couple of Pro Bowl stories. Uh-oh. Every Pro Bowl, he would, like, crush me on hits <laughs> like he's Come going on, to get man. the receiver have to run to heal you too and then he would run into me and like dude i'm on your team now like you don't have to hit me but you know and you like to see people like at go in because i because i believe at belongs in i believe that carnell lake belongs in because they're going to put troy ball palomalo in mm-hmm. you know ed reed's going to go in yep. ed reed's going to go in more so because he has a lot of picks that's right but if he was a safety that had you know 30 something my picks then it's the question mark. Um, but I think all those guys, when you define the game and you define what greatness is, those guys epitomize everything that you want at that position. Hey, good stuff, bro. I like that. Yeah. Hey, you I need to go talk print. for you, baby. Yeah, yeah, talk for talk you in the room. room. Yeah, he, he, needs some, he needs somebody in there. Yeah, there you go. Hey, I want that talk to talk. We'll go back a little bit to the uh, covering the tight ends and receivers. Uh, how? What, what would you recommend as a way of defending, just say, Rob Gronkowski, uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, what's the solution to guarding these tight ends? Because most safeties aren't equipped to cover them. Now, except Eric Berry, one right. was able to line up, bump and run them in the, in the slot, but most safeties can't do that. What, what would be your solution to trying, to trying to handle that? Go back to the very beginning. So if you go to the offseason, so I'm, I'm going to the fundamentals of everything. You go to the offseason. So the season gets over after this Sunday. The players don't come back into the building until April, mm-hmm. okay? And then when they come back into the building, they go to phase one of OTAs, which is that means they're only in the classroom. And then they do that for a couple weeks, and they go to phase two. And that's for a couple weeks. They can go outside, but they can't be competitive mm-hmm. w- against another position right. or, or your position across from each other. And then they go to phase three, which is OTAs. That's only ten of those. So they really don't get the foundation that they need to learn. And then when you go to training camp, you don't have – when you can do one-on-ones, normally the safeties are doing 907. Right. So first of all, I think the mindset of where the game has gone and how they really set up their scheduling for the practices needs to incorporate the safeties coming back down into doing the one-on-ones on a consistent basis mm-hmm. so they can learn how to cover on a consistent basis. Because you want those guys, this is a passing league. It's not a right. – I mean, you still need to run and tackle. It's still a contact sport. But those guys need to be fundamentally sound in covering Kelsey. Kelsey is like a receiver. Exactly. That's right. Now, we mm-hmm. played those guys twice a year, every year for four years, and the guy is a headache yes. to cover. Right. You know, Gronk is not as agile. He just six, eight, two, whatever. He just out-muscles you. Yeah. You know, so I think there's two different ways to go about it. I think with Gronk, you got to be more – physical with a guy like that because he's not going to outrun you but his catch radius is tremendous but you got to get into his body so you can't get his hands up mm-hmm. or kelsey you just got to run with that guy because he's going <laughs> to he, he runs really good routes right yes mm-hmm. and some of the stuff that kansas city does 
puts you in a dilemma because now sometimes you're in a run fit and they'll they'll run him to the flat. Right. And if you don't go with him, they'll throw it to him. But then when you go to him, they'll just hand it off. So it's that run-pass option that's now kind of in vogue in the National Football League. Not overly, not like the college ranks, but it's getting there. Yeah, and that's that's a great point you bring up. And, and in fact, actually, the Eagles have run run pass option more than any other team in the league. Which you know, it, it becomes kind of a it's a bigger thing introducing some of those college styles into uh, the NFL. What what do you think about that? And, and defending it, I always hear defenders talk about that. That's one of the biggest challenges because I mean, it's just what do you commit to? Well, they're reading the they're they're counting numbers. Yeah, you know, if the box is loaded, they're going to throw it. If the box not loaded, they're going to run it. It's it's really simple. It's not a it's not real difficult. We make it sound difficult, <laughs> and people make it seem very hard. But what they do, they read and count. That's all they got to do. And at the end of the day, if if you play if you play a split safety defense, if that's your main coverages, then you're going to be in trouble. If you play more single high where you got people in the box, you can and put people into the like the curl areas, then I think you're fine. If you can keep more than likely than anything, if you can keep your backers behind the ball, that helps your defense with the run-pass option. You say behind the ball. What do you mean by that? So if the ball's sitting here, just you know, if they're in a 30 technique, so they're behind the guard, behind the three technique, and the other backer being right behind the, you know, the other, okay. the other guard. So behind the ball that way. Gotcha. Because they're going to be in the run fits. If they, can, if they can stay behind the ball like that, it, it takes the run-pass options out. So with the way the game is evolving, like you mentioned, more of a passing-based game, does the type of safety that's coming in the league, do, do, does that guy have to change? Is, is the in-the-box thumper, is that guy going a little bit out of vogue in favor of the coverage safety? It is unless, you're, unless you play like Cam played. You know, I think the way that Seattle defense played for several years, probably like a really high for a three-year span. Solid football since they, you know, since they really started playing good. Um, but yes, I think for the most part, the big thumper in the box core, because it's not, they're not going into twenty-one personnel with a fullback. Yeah. You know, when they do, some a lot of times there's twelve personnel and they'll put the tight end and put him in the backfield. It's it's not the same mindset of how they went about it when we first came in the league. When I first came in the league in '87, it was. 70% run. And wow. it was, I mean, my, my matter of fact, my when I, I held out with the Steelers, came in, played only like five games, and I came into a, what we call a charger package, and I became the linebacker. Well, when they see me in there, they're like, check, check. <laughs> <We're running. laughs> that fullback dive is going right toward 26. <laughs> hey, I wasn't ready for that. But now they did, they just don't go to that type of stuff because they don't have the fullbacks. And a lot of teams don't even carry fullbacks. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, so I think the mindset is gone. And I think the more you can find a safety that can cover somebody in the slot and still roam and be physical, yeah. it bodes well for your defense because you don't have to go to your sub package. You got any uh, stories about Atwater you want to share? Outside of the you? ones he kept hitting me when we were at the Pro Bowl. <laughs> That's a good one. Come on, right every year, you, every, it's like it was like a three three years running. I didn't wear thigh pads. We didn't have to wear thigh pads back then. Every year he would hit me in my thigh, <laughs> and I would get a thigh bruise at the Pro Bowl. <laughs> the Pro Bowl. <laughs> story, wow. man. Every every year at the Pro Bowl. I'm like, I'm like, at, come on, man. Man, I should quit hey. hitting me. <laughs> I used to take you over to practice, man. I can't believe you're going to tell these stories on me. Hey, you know, you're supposed to get hurt at the Pro Bowl. I mean, yeah. 
Do you, that's it right there. You're at, hey, listen, you're sitting in Hawaii. I was your ride, man. And I got to sit on the beach with a big bag of ice on my thigh. Right. I was your ride, man. <laughs> well, we're going to do your ride like that? <laughs> well, just because you were his ride doesn't mean you should hurt him. I mean, that's. I wouldn't try I, to I've never him, taken man. a ride with you ever again, if well, that's how you're going to treat him. He was you. explaining to me, though, that he went all out in the Pro Bowls because you got more money, about $10,000 oh, more when you won half. the game. Yeah, you did. And so you went all, you're, you're like, hey, I got family, got friends here. I got to pay for their flights and their but hotels. You know what? Also, mm-hmm. you got to remember now, the Pro Bowl, they played a, bit, a little bit better this year. Yeah. But it's the mindset behind the guys. The millennials are different. They don't think like we think. They don't see the game like we see the game because that's all they know. They they grew up with cell phones in their hands. Mm-hmm. We grew up with no cell phone. My first cell phone, man, that thing was so big. <laughs> it looked like a big old radio. I had a battery pack. <laughs> I, was, I mean, that was a cell phone. Big you long take antenna. A, you couldn't take a cell phone. Yeah, a little bit long antenna. Flip, when you had a when the flip phone came oh, out, yeah, oh, man. you thought oh, yeah. you was cool. Oh, yeah. You'd like, get the phone and you flip, flip it open. <laughs> like, you just thought, I mean, but these kids are different. So they're, they don't have the same mindset, but at least. They're competitive this year, and hopefully from here on out at the, at the Pro Bowl, we can keep seeing that. Yeah, you know, it, earlier in there in the interview, great, great stuff from Rod. And mm-hmm. it's funny, I, I tweeted out a, a picture of him. Uh, it was actually a really cool picture. I put it like black and white, you know, kind of Raiders. And uh, I got all these Broncos fans that got so mad about that. Like, why are you, you know, supporting this guy? And you know, it's like, come on, man. He's, he is He's an amazing guy, amazing athlete. You can at least appreciate that, even if he's a Raider. And he was briefly a Bronco. Uh, that's right, and he was briefly a Bronco. <laughs> you know, it's As a coach. listening to that though. You know, a little bit, a little bit back there where he was talking about being a coach and how he's kind of looking. He's actually taking a step back from it, and, and mm-hmm. I got, actually kind of was kind of bummed about that because because I I think he's done a really good job. He's and a good teacher. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. that's hard. Not every guy who's a great player right. can, can make that transition in terms of being able to share what they knew, especially Rod Woodson, kind of like Champ Bailey, a transcendent athlete. Yes. And sometimes it's hard to be able to teach what you know when you're that kind of athlete because it doesn't always translate to guys who don't have the same natural gifts that you had. To Rod Woodson's credit, he was able to do that. Now, that being said, the coaching life is grueling. Yes. And while it's financially rewarding once you get to the NFL, I don't envy the coaches and the hours they have to keep the time away from their families. I admire what they do. Agreed. But it is a rough life. There are sacrifices involved in terms of the time you have to commit to the job, the excessive hours. I mean, it's you start at 80 to 90 hours a week in season and go from there. It is a true commitment, not just for yourself, but your family. It was a moment where I, I was about to, in the middle of the interview, I wanted to be like, have you considered you know, another step in coaching. But but before I even could get to there, he had already started to say, I'm taking a step back from it. Back to broadcasting. Back to broadcasting. And because because I've I've always respected him, you know, again, you know, he's a Raider, but I have always respected him and his athleticism and he always he always seemed just like such a genuine good guy and the way him and watching him and Steve interact, you know? And I love the story there about the Pro Bowls. My goodness, that was hilarious <laughs> about how, how he'd get all these bruises on his thighs because Steve would just keep hitting, hitting him on accident. <laughs> that, was, that was some of the best stuff there. But, yeah, Rod Woodson, 
uh, one of the many great interviews we had over the course of this week. It was a great week. You can actually listen to those interviews and more. Of course, you heard them on the podcast. we got plenty more interviews on orangeandblue760.com. If you go to our show, you go to All Access with Brandon Cristal and Matt McChesney. You go to Crockett and Stout, yep. the, our afternoon show, or Columbus and Lindahl, the morning show. We were getting guys on all day. You can listen to all of those interviews from Radio Row. Go back all sorts of commentary, all sorts of insight into what the Broncos might do going forward. It certainly, even though you're coming off a 5-11 season, a fascinating team given the possibilities at quarterback. I mean, look, I mean, we're sitting here in the offseason. I feel like we've had no shortage of topics to talk about. It hasn't been boring at all. Has not been boring. And, and we, we got a little bit of a gift this week. Usually there's not breaking news <laughs> The way the Alex Smith trade went down, there's not usually we don't usually get that. They usually wait until after Super Bowl week. But the we media got that. party froze. It, we did. We were all <laughs> we were all standing around, and I mean it, it changed everything that night. And that was the buzz. We were walking around from person to person to scout to GMs to everybody around us. We we were all talking about that trade and the shakeup that it brings. I got to give a quick shout out to our guy Steve Atwater and his movie Dead Zone. You got to go check it out. He was an executive producer on a movie. We found that out this week. Ray Crockett starred in it. I suggest you go download it and watch it. We're going to do a recap of it next week. Uh, maybe not on this podcast, but on Orange and Blue 760 on First and 10 at 10. If you want to see Ray Crockett share the screen with Rucker Hauer. <laughs> and who does it? Right? Yeah. Star of many action and sci-fi films. Remember Blade Runner back oh, yeah. in 1982? The famed Tears in Rain speech. Oh, yeah. And there Rucker Hauer is. Master Thespian. <laughs> with Ray Crockett. <laughs> Dead Tone had a budget of $3 million. I think the single biggest item on the budget was Rucker Hauer. I, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he, he made about 2.7 of that. And then they said, "All right, three hundred thousand for the rest of you." Even though I mean, his you know his best days are probably a few decades in the past, but still, hey, he's a name. But yes, Dead Tone, you can download it for just three ninety nine on iTunes. I'll be watching on my plane ride tonight back to Denver. Help Steve Atwater recoup his investment. Yep, that's what we're trying to do. For Ryan Edwards, I'm Andrew Mason. Thanks for joining us on the Horse and Round Podcast. We'll talk to you next week.